I'd like to offer a broad overview of what insight practice is. And then we can draw out a few specific practices that you can focus on during the day. So uh, vipassana practice in, is uh, is uh, a, a Pali word. Vipassana is a Pali word, um, translated as insight. And um, sometimes it's translated as seeing deeply, seeing deeply into our experience. <clears throat> and um, and this this seeing deeply is something that arises uh, as we meditate. Uh, it's a seeing deeply into the, the nature of, uh, of, of our experience, our body, our mind, everything that we experience through our senses and through the mind. Um, and when I say the mind, I'm, I'm, I'm really talking about the thinking mind. In this, in this particular case. In fact, in Buddhist teaching, um, we talk about six senses and, the, and the, the conceptual mind, the thinking mind that, that we were talking about last night, you know, which you know, thoughts just keep coming and they come up on their own, uh, is, is actually considered one of the senses, like, like hearing, tasting, touching, and so on. So, as I've uh, been talking about with regard to samatha practice, this samatha practice is a calming of the mind, a calming of this this mind which just incessantly is is thinking about experience and and really uh, drawing us away from being present. I don't want to give the impression that in this practice is, that, there's, that the mind is seen as somehow bad or as the enemy. Or, uh, the mind is really very important. It's, uh, it's, it gives, it's, it's a great gift. It's, um, it's something that we can develop. But it also can be something um, that we get caught in. Um, insight as an experience is something which is not conceptual. It's a direct experience. Uh, and so it's not something that we experience through the mind, but we can experience when the mind becomes quiet. Uh, even for a moment. It's not that the mind has to become completely quiet, but the mind becomes quiet even for just a moment. So, so we practice the samatha practice just to come back to this present moment because this present moment is where uh, insight happens. This present moment 
is where life happens, uh, is where love happens. You know, it's, uh, it's where relationship happens. It's where experience happens. Um, when we're in our minds, we're, we're, we're either replaying things that have already happened or we're projecting into some imagined future that hasn't happened yet and probably will never happen the way we're imagining it, the way we're projecting it. So, so coming to ground ourselves in presence, attention in this moment, is very key. And, um, and it's full. When I talk about this moment, you know, I'm, I'm really pointing to an experience of it's not somehow uh, a little space in between the past and the future. You know, when we're fully in this moment, and we've all had this experience, it's not some, you know, something uh, that, you know, really esoteric. Just being fully present, you know, whether it's. Walking in the woods, or you know, at a sunset, or at the birth of a child, or you know, uh, when you're with someone you love and you're just deeply intimate, um, all of these experiences are are timeless. There's a sense in which we're not in that, you know, uh, unending sort of sequence of one thing after another, but there's a a real sinking in to presence. So um, we've had this experience. Children uh, can be present, can totally lose track of time, just, you know, playing in a sandbox or making mud pies. Um, so, So this is a natural human experience to be present. So in our, in our uh, coming back to the breath, we're learning, we're training the mind to be present, to, to not always be lost in the past or projecting into the future. Just being here, being now, simply being. <clears throat> there's a um, there's an experience that we all have. It's very human. In fact, I think it's, it's just part of life. All living beings experience this. And, it's, and we talk about it in metta practice, in, uh, in this practice uh, um, Pascal kind of pointed to it in, in his talk yesterday. You know, there's, this, there's this deep desire just to experience a sense of well-being, a sense of, of happiness, sense of um, uh, contentment, peace. We may use different words 
to, uh, to point to this experience. <clears throat> and somehow we've, we've gotten the idea that, it's, that we're going we're gonna to find it some, someplace outside ourselves. You know, we keep looking for it. We keep looking for it in, um, you know, maybe in experiences or in stuff, you know, uh, acquiring things, think beautiful things, things we enjoy, or, or we keep looking for it in relationships, uh, or perhaps in our work. And although all of these, these uh, aspects of, of life can bring us joy and can be very wonderful, they're not ultimately fulfilling because relationships are always changing. And, you know, whether it's a partner or a friend or ourselves, always changing. Uh, so if we expect a relationship to fulfill us all the time, it's probably going to create a lot of strain on the relationship. Uh, or our jobs, you know, they're they're not always uh, fulfilling, uh, or our home. You know, we think if we have a beautiful home, you know, we'll always feel good. So, so finding that fulfillment, that peace, that contentment, is something that we find within ourselves. It's something that's already there, actually. It's something that's already present within us. But it's because we keep looking outward that we miss it. So we have these, these habits, this conditioning, and certainly our society conditions us to believe that you know, we can somehow buy uh, or you know if we if we're perfect enough in the way we look or in our accomplishments you know we can we can attain this sense of satisfaction and fulfillment and um, and actually it's by this just coming to rest within ourselves coming to stillness and presence within ourselves uh, with full acceptance of all that is that we can arrive at this sense of being at home, uh, this sense of being um, here and, uh, and content and at peace. Somebody mentioned last night um, this uh, that in this practice of <clears throat> of um, 
dialogue that we were doing and practicing the pause, relax and open, you know, uh, somebody really picked up on this. Um, and maybe it was in the Krishnamurti quote that I read uh, about the not knowing, the not knowing. Um, and, uh, you know, just being present, not without without having a sense of knowing how to, how it should be or how it's supposed to come out or comparing uh, to an idea of um, what happened before but just really being open in our experience of, um, of life moment by moment living our lives, just um, a freshness. So meditation really helps us to, to cultivate that capacity to, to just arrive in each moment of our lives. And, and we, you know, as we think about this, we may project, oh, you know, how can I live this way every moment not knowing? Um, and, uh, and of course, we live our lives and we, we know how to get home and we know how to do our jobs and there's so many things that we know how to do. Um, so that's not what I'm talking about. But it's, um, it's just being present in what we do. Uh, and... Uh, and experiencing it again for the first time. So can we sweep the floor for the first time? Can we uh, greet our friend for the first time? Not assuming that our friend is just some idea that we have about him or her. Um, who are they in this moment? What is their, you know, are they radiant? Or do they seem tired, sad, uh, joyful? You know, can we be present with them? And it begins by being present in ourselves. As we uh, cultivate this capacity to be present in ourselves through just coming back to the breath, uh, coming back to this moment, um, something that, that happens in the beginning of practice is that the mind begins, or the heart, maybe I'll say the heart begins to reveal itself to us. There's a, a story told by a, um, it's, it's probably a very uh, ancient story, but um, I, I've heard it through reading the, the teachings of a particular monk named Ajahn Chah. And um, he, he uses this metaphor of going and sitting in the forest by a pond calls it the still forest pond. 
And, um, and so, you know, very often when we're walking and we're, you know, even in the woods, you know, we're being noisy, maybe we're talking to somebody, or maybe we're even listening to our iPod, you know. But, uh, but then, you know, maybe we sit down by a pond and we can be very still and pay attention. And, and in, in this stillness, you know, the creatures begin to come out of the woods. You know, maybe first the creatures that are not so timid come out because all the creatures need to drink at the pond. And so the cre- creatures come out of the woods, maybe the ones that are a little bit more, uh, more bold or you know, at the edge of the woods. Then the more timid ones come out, the ones that you don't see very often. If we stay very still and stay quiet and pay attention. And, and then maybe even wonderful creatures that we didn't even know existed come out of the woods and reveal themselves. And so it's like that in meditation. When the mind becomes still, you know, some of the things in the heart that we've been turning away from begin to reveal themselves. Maybe an old grief or, um, uh, or self-judgments, you know, judgments that we hold about ourselves, about who we should be and that we're not measuring up. Maybe uh, a creativity that we've been putting aside because we have such other important things to do, um, you know, but a longing to to dance uh, or or to make pictures comes out, and we we feel it. So these things begin to uh, come into our awareness. And, and sometimes when people begin to meditate, they say, wow, you know, my mind is such a mess. Uh, and uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't meditate. <laughs> But it's not that the meditation is, is messing up your mind, it's that you're seeing the mind, you're seeing the mind. And it can be discouraging, it can be, it can be disturbing. So it's really important to emphasize this kindness, this friendliness, this acceptance of all that we are. because we encounter ourselves in meditation. We, we meet ourselves in a very deep way. And, uh, and so, in this meeting of ourselves, you know, what's, what's called for, what's so important, is, is this response of love. 
and acceptance. <clears throat> There's a, a common, uh, very common, and I, I um, personally experienced this for many, many, many years of my spiritual practice. Uh, an idea that um, in our spiritual practice we have to become somebody else. An idea a perfect, of, a, of a perfect self. Um, there's a, a quote that I found um, Uh, from Tara Brock, who is a, uh, a Western teacher uh, who's written um, some wonderful things. Her, her seminal book is uh, Radical Acceptance. And, um, and she's writing about her journey. And she quotes uh, Trugyam Trumpa, who is a, uh, a Tibetan teacher, who, who said, the problem is that ego can convert anything to its own use, even spirituality. So, so and, and Tara goes on to say, what I brought to my spiritual path included all my needs to be admired, all my insecurities about not being good enough, all my tendencies to judge my inner and outer world. The playing field was larger than my earlier pursuits, but the game was still the same, striving to be a different and better person. <clears throat> so I'm not saying that we don't cultivate the heart and the mind by cultivating metta. These are natural qualities by cultivating the capacity to uh, attend and be still, still the mind. These are, these are ways that we cultivate the heart and mind, um, which, which are part of the, of the path. They're, they're part of our journey. <clears throat> but we don't abandon ourselves. We don't turn away from ourselves. From who we are, you know. On the contrary, you know that that heart that we're cultivating is to include ourselves in uh, in our our love, in our um, compassion that is uh, developing. <clears throat> So as we, you know, as we emerge into consciousness, as we stop, now the reason why we haven't been aware of perhaps the grief or the longing or the self-judgment is because we've been driven by them, driven by them into all of these, you know, Attempts looking outside ourselves to fill up that sense of, you know, wanting to feel at peace and content, that that deep inner desire to be well, to be happy, 
to be at peace, to feel content, to feel a sense of well-being. Um, so, so when we stop, you know, when we realize it's not out there, we begin to come home to ourselves. So, so I said that insight, earlier in the talk, I said that insight is something which is not conceptual. It's not just an idea. It's, it's something which is a direct experience. <clears throat> and one of the key insights that arise in our meditation practice is insight into impermanence. I've, I've pointed to this in saying, you know, in, in, in the guiding of meditation, you notice how everything is arising and passing away. Sound, body sensations, the breath, thoughts, the energy of the body, how it changes. Remember last night during the meditation, I invited you three times during the course of the meditation. You know, first, after, after we've, we'd just begun and you'd been talking, and just to feel into the body. And then later, in the middle of the meditation, and then later at the end. And just feeling how the energy of the body changes. And, and we, we take a moment, we take a moment in which we may feel perhaps the energy is low, we feel tired, and we, and we believe it. We say, this is the truth. You know, I feel fed up, or I feel bored, or I feel... Uh, sad or I feel discouraged and we believe our thought and we say this is how things are and then you know relationships have broken up Uh, people have you know made huge changes in their in their lives people have I work I work in um, I do volunteer work teaching meditation in uh, one of the penitentiaries uh, in um, Montreal. People have changed their lives, you know, on an impulse doing a crime, driven by something that they feel. So, So when we know that all of these experiences are arising, passing away, arising, passing away, then we find a stability of awareness which is grounded grounded in wisdom grounded in love because these are essentially who we are um, we have so many habits of mind 
and we miss the essential peace and clarity of who we are. You know, there are so many spiritual stories which point to this truth. In the Christian tradition, it's the story of the prodigal son. Does anybody not know the story of the prodigal son? Don't? So it's, it's, a, it's one of these um, kind of uh, religious and cultural stories which, uh, which um, are universal. They, they, they come in different forms in different cultures. Um, a, uh, a son who is the son of a wealthy man. You know, he's, he's one of two brothers. He's the younger son, and he, um, he has everything that he could need. Uh, and, and yet he, he goes away. He wanders away. And, uh, and he struggles and struggles and struggles. He, he, takes, he, t- he asks his father, for his portion of, of his inheritance, and he, he goes out and he he struggles and you know loses all his money and and goes through a lot of suffering. And then one morning he wakes up and realizes, you know, I had everything I needed at home, and uh, and yet I I left. And, you know, when I come back, will my father take me back in? So he goes back home and asks his father's forgiveness. And, uh, and of course, his father takes him back in. So, it's not that he shouldn't have left. You know, maybe he needed to leave. But he came home. He came home. And that's what, that's what this practice is about. It's coming home to, uh, to the simplicity and the, the authenticity of, of, of our own heart. So in this, um, so perhaps in the practice today, something that I could suggest that you work with is well, there are two things that I could go with either or both. So the first is the not knowing. So when you 
when you encounter somebody or when you uh, actually even relate to yourself you know uh, and think about what you want to do or you know there's so many habitual ways that we think so many ways that we limit ourselves and we say oh I couldn't do that or you know um, or that wouldn't work and so maybe you can just ask yourself the question you know um, do I know this to be true? Do I actually know this to be true? You know, this thought that came up about, I, you know, I can't do that or I have to do that, something that I, I don't really want to do. You know? And do I know this to be true? So it's, it's a kind of a taking a fresh look at the ways in which we uh, proscribe, you know, limit, set boundaries on, define ourselves. And the, the second possibility is as whatever comes up Whatever comes up in the mind, whatever mental state comes up, uh, whatever emotion comes up, take a moment to just stop and be present with radical acceptance. So if, if irritation comes up, Radical acceptance is not going with the anger. Radical acceptance is not saying, yeah, I'm angry and I should be angry and, and that person was really stupid to cut me off like that or to say that to me. It's not what radical acceptance is. It's because that's being driven by the anger. And another reaction that we could have is, oh, anger is bad, I shouldn't be angry. Uh, I mustn't be angry. The radical acceptance is just to say, oh, there's anger. And feel it in the body. So, uh, not so much thinking the story about the anger, but just being present with it. Just being present with it in the body. What are the sensations of anger? And the same with fear or um, or uh, judgment. So those are it's, it's particularly true to practice this way of really inquiring into the nature of. The, the energies that drive us into suffering. You know, um, when we feel joy, when we feel love, when we feel generosity, those are what the Buddha called skillful qualities of heart. And they, they draw us into um, more uh, 
connection with life. And so, so these are, um, these are to be, uh, they don't need to be kind of, practiced with in the same way. Um, so they can just be enjoyed, you know, enjoying, loving, um, enjoying generosity, enjoying being patient with somebody who needs our presence, <clears throat> or enjoying being patient with ourselves. So, so this just seeing things, so these two things, two practices, just seeing the world with fresh eyes, not knowing, and, and this radical acceptance of whatever is coming up, just being present with ourselves in a, in a loving and uh, accepting and, and curious way. What is this experience? So um, perhaps there are some questions or or comments you'd like to make. Um, Maybe something's come up in your mind. Yes? Sorry, I can't hear you. Okay, so I just want to be sure that I understood what you're saying. So you're saying that when you're practicing meditation, that a lot of creative thoughts come up. If I'm lucky, it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so so you're not sure whether you should kind of follow this or or uh, or come back to the I'm breath. Less prone to come back from that than from less interesting thinking. Right. Right. Yeah. I understand. Um, yeah. Uh, there is, you know, there is a um, uh, uh, an importance and a, a usefulness to training the mind to simply be present, and um, and so uh, to so to come out of the um, you know the thinking process and and just train the mind to be simple, present, and attentive in the moment. So um, my, my suggestion is that uh, you just let it go and come back to the breath. Um, and um, not that, you know, I, I understand my, my brother is a um, musician and uh, a writer and 
and yeah, he said, as soon as he would sit down to meditate, you know, he'd get all these ideas because he'd clear this space for himself. And so, you know, he'd be jumping up and writing things down. <laughs> You're not saying you do that, but. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, so just trust that it'll come back. You know, it'll come back when you're off the cushion. And let this, let this, just like we dedicate time to be, you know, uh, pay attention to people we love or um, to do other important things. You know, well, you're, you're dedicating this time to be with someone you love yourself, you know, so it's time just to be with yourself uh, in a very direct and immediate way, um, just be with your heart, and, uh, and so if we keep moving into the thought process, uh, there is a tension, you know, especially in terms of writing, that um, uh, it's not really a tension, but it's a, it's a kind of a, it, there's a difference. And writing can also be a path, you know, or creativity can be a path of discovery. But, uh, but this is a particular path of, of liberation. And, um, and so, you know, there's certain things that, you know, we, we, we need to attend to, to learn, to develop. So that's, that's my response. Um, problem. I, I, I don't feel it's a problem, but I know in the context of this training it's a problem. But um, because I value so much uh, what I'm doing with my creativity, I found a kind of but if something really creative comes up, if I just put down a word or two then I can let it go, and now I won't forget it. Mm. So, so far that's What I find, you know, in my own journey um, in creativity is that uh, when I begin, whether it's to write something or um, uh, to... I, I was in visual arts for a while, I haven't done that, but, but I begin by entering the meditative state. So having developed this capacity to enter into a space of silence through practice, that when I am, uh, you know, kind of entering into uh, an expression, a creative expression, I, I enter into this meditative state. Um, yeah. Anything else? Any other question or comment? Anything that came up for you while I was speaking? Whether it's uh, something that you know you just wondered, what it, I'm not sure what that means, or how do I do that, or or. I'm not sure that makes sense or it's not clear. Yeah. 
I'm trying to reconcile the idea of accept, you want to accept, but you also want to try and change for the better. We're trying to move towards a more, a more peaceful state, a more peaceful being, but at the same time we're trying to accept that we're not peaceful, and so usually in my mind it's either you accept the way you are, or you're trying to be better. Mm -hmm. um, so try to do both. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. And um, so uh, there's, there are different aspects to practice, and there are developmental aspects, uh, and there are wisdom, transformational aspects. They're not actually separate. You know, we just separate them to understand them better. Um, and the developmental aspects, you know, involve... You know, so cultivating this sense of generosity, um, goodwill, uh, empathy. You know, so these are natural emotions. Um, actually, there's really a lot of research coming out showing how human beings are are naturally empathic and compassionate. We're really uh, it's it's something that's that's very natural to us. And um, and so, so, but we haven't always cultivated that because of the conditioning, you know, of our lives. Whether it's our upbringing or our experiences, you know, we may have been wounded, hurt. You know, we get defensive. We feel, you know, uh, it's me versus the world. So certain attitudes and habits of thinking have we've cultivated, and so. So there's a, um, you know, that, that may be perpetuating suffering and separ a sense of separation uh, in, in uh, the way we understand our life. And so, so we, you know, as practices, we can, we can uh, really connect with this capacity to love, to be em empathic, to uh, to forgive, to be generous, and so on, and these actually help to uh, transform some of those some of those uh, qualities which create suffering, uh, you know, reactivity and um, and anger and cynicism and and so on. And we don't ever. Um, we don't ever find freedom from something by turning away from it, by pushing it away, because what, what we resist persists. In order to resist something, you need to hold it. And so by pushing something away, we're holding on to it. And, and so... Um, Mm. This, this acceptance, this just being present with, is transformational in that we see, um, we see its true nature as we stop, instead of turning away from it, instead of distracting ourselves, instead of repressing it, or, um, or blaming ourselves for experience you know, anger or fear or whatever, we, um, uh, 
we just open to it. And we see that, you know, this anger arises and passes away. It's not something solid. It's something which is transitory. You know, it arises because of conditioning factors in our lives. You know, it's, you know, we begin to see uh, that, you know, it's a, it's a pattern that comes up. We get triggered at different times. So we begin to understand our minds, not necessarily uh, psychotherapeutically, you know, telling a story about ourselves, but just seeing how the mind works. We begin to understand, really understand our own minds. And in understanding our own minds, we also understand a lot about other people's minds. Even though we're very different in some ways, in many, many ways, there's so many universal um, qualities of mind. So, And then in the accepting, you know, we're... Uh, we're letting go of this idea that I have to be like this idealized, you know, an idealized um, goal is an idea. Whereas what we are doing is coming more and more into presence, like inhabiting our lives, inhabiting the body, inhabiting, like being fully present, not somehow being out here looking at ourselves living and judging, but living, you know, from the heart, from the truth of who we are. Um, and, and yet, and, and, and there is that, you know, those poles, because does living from the truth of who I, I am mean just lashing out if I feel anger. No. So there's the developmental aspect of cultivating non-harming, cultivating kindness and generosity and so on. So, so uh, you know, you can understand it that way. Does that clarify, or would you like to ask another question? Yeah, no, I think that's better, I think what's, what's helping me is to think of it, I was thinking like accept for the negative things and change love to the good things, but actually like you said, you can just accept that that's not that I'm, uh, you know, I'm not generous and I should be more generous, I have to accept that I am super generous, I just don't know if I have to make space so I can see it. Um, so I think, yes, for the first time thinking that accepting certain things can be changing in these Right, yeah, that's a really interesting way of putting it. Anything else? Thank you. 
there's a lot of like all kinds of ways that it's really difficult. So something I, I just want to share that's been helping me a lot is just kind of putting when that kind of like comes up, seeing like ah, it kind of hurts and so I always like to put my hand on my heart actually. Mm -hmm. It also it allows me actually to come back in the body as well, like mm -hmm. to just touch myself. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of like yeah. And I do it one more. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, just powerful in a way that just comes back to the sensations of the body by touching myself. Right. So it has like a, you know, kind of double effect. I don't know what the right word is, but yeah. So. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's really lovely. That's beautiful. Um, uh, I once taught a retreat uh, on compassion and you know, I invited people to just, you know, do the first few minutes of every sitting, just touching their heart and, uh, you know, feeling that, you know, really connecting with the heart. Um, and uh, so, so that, you know, that creature has come out of the woods for you <laughs> and is hanging around and you're seeing it. And, um, and... Uh, it's really important to acknowledge that it's not easy to see these things. There's a reason why we turn away. It hurts to see it. You know, self-judgment. And yet we do it. You know, it's one of... It's so prevalent in our culture especially. There's so much self-judgment um, among people. It's Many meditation teachers have talked about this, that students, you know, that we ourselves, you know, in our own practice discover it. Uh, it's really um, something that's, that can be very, and, and it's suffering. You know, it's, it's really important to recognize this is painful, you know. And when I, when I perpetuate this self-judgment by, by believing that thought, you know, I'm not good enough, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'll never be good enough, <laughs> I, I'm incompetent, or whatever, however many ways it's put, you know, when we believe it, we are feeding it. But it can even be more painful to actually, instead of feeding it, to acknowledge that it's there, to see it, you know, so that in the Buddhist teaching, the first of the noble truths is to comprehend suffering, you know. The Buddha said, I teach suffering and the end to suffering. So he teaches, first of all, that we have need to acknowledge that we are, we are suffering. And then, what is the path? It's to the end. So, good. I hope you have some uh, things to work with today. Um, and uh, anything that we need to uh, talk about, announce? Yeah, so, il faut ramener les chaises de l'autre côté. Très pratico-pratique. Ensuite, si vous avez pris du thé, il faut laver la petite tasse, la mettre dans le séchoir. Si vous voulez une soupe ce soir, il faut écrire votre nom sur la, sur la liste. <rire>
Et on vous souhaite une bonne journée de Merci. pratique. Merci. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.